Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. I want to say Merry Christmas. Thank you uh, for making uh, Christmas here part of your uh, family schedule. We know that it's uh, busy at times like these, that, you know, it's Christmas tomorrow. And so maybe uh, you have family and friends coming to your home tonight. Maybe you have family and your friends coming for lunch. If they are, I promise I won't be long. I won't, I won't preach long. You won't miss lunch. And so it's, it's okay. Um, but we, uh, we really want to thank you for being here at Christmas time. You know, when I was growing up at, um, at Christmas, on Christmas Eve, uh, most of those were spent at my grandparents' house in Sydney. Uh, they were quite traditional, although a regular feature was that we would uh, arrive from further north in New South Wales to Sydney. My parents would go out with my mum's uh, brothers and uh, their wives. And me and my two brothers, we would get to set up the Christmas decorations and the Christmas tree on Christmas Eve at my grandparents' place. I know that's sort of like leaving it to the last minute. Uh, but but that, was, that was our tradition. Although one year we went to my father's um, uh, my dad's extended family in Melbourne. Uh, they were less traditional. We were teenagers, and it was like 11.30 on Christmas Eve. And someone somewhere came up with the greatest idea ever. They're like, hey, when it gets to 12, why don't we open our presents and then sleep in the next day? And you didn't need any convincing for all the teenagers. We're like, yes, please, let's, let's do it. Greatest Christmas ever. So apologies, parents, if I've just given all your teenagers the wrong idea there. But uh, like I said, thank you for making this Christmas and making this time to be here uh, because presents and family and great food and all those uh, things are good and they're all given to us, but we're here to celebrate the one who makes all of this possible and his name is Jesus. And so we've all, all, already been singing about the birth of Jesus. We've seen some snippets from three different perspectives from Mary, from Joseph and from the shepherds. And so I'm going to read to you from the Bible. Uh, and add one more perspective, that of the Magi or the, the wise men that came from the east. And this is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. It'll be on the screen there behind me. It says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star, and it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for, it, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so we find these wise men here they, who followed a star, they could discern that something was shifting in the world, that there was, there was a change, there was a king that was turning up. And so obviously, where do, they, where do they go to find a king? They go to a palace. But today, I want to speak to you about the topic of an unusual king, an unusual king. We believe that Jesus is an unusual king. So just to get us in the kingly mood here, uh, we're going to do a little, little, bit of, little bit of interaction. You're allowed to shout out. And so I'm going to mention some different kings and then I want you to shout out what, you know, what this king is. I'm going to mention a few names and then, then let me know which king this is. For instance, if I say the word Simba, you would say? 
Correct. Okay, good. We've got it. All right, all right. What about, what about if I said um, big gorilla that has multiple movies made out of him? Yeah, make sure I add the king part. That's sort of the whole point of this thing, right? King Kong. Okay, excellent. Okay, okay. If I was in America, not Australia, if I was in the United States of America, and I said Whopper Bacon Deluxe Burger, we'd be talking about Burger King. Good, excellent. And this is, this is, a, bit, this is a bit contentious, but if I was to say one of the greatest basketball players of all time, not Michael Jordan, who's the greatest, but anyway, not, not, not him, who would I be talking about? Yeah, who is known as King James. Thank you. Yes, basketball fans. Thank you. Come on. He's a man with the city of basketball. What's, what's going on? Come on. We need to turn it up. Okay. What about, here's one for the musos. What about if we're playing the blues, got some electric guitar going and I'm singing? Sorry, what was that? B.B. King. Yes. Well, don't give yourselves a round of applause. Excellent. You have passed the King test. Congratulations. But, but, but today we're celebrating the birth of an unusual king. I say unusual for a variety of reasons. As we just read from the Bible there, where do these wise men go seeking the one they believe born the king of the Jews? They go to the palace, but he's not there. The actual king of the, of the time, a guy called Herod, he was sort of king, it was like a proxy king under Roman rule. Anyway, we won't go there for the moment, but he starts to freak out. He's like, what does this mean? A, a, a new king? I, I thought I was in charge. I, I, I thought this is, you know, this is news to me. And so as we read, he, he gathers all the chief priests and the religious leaders because there's a prophecy. There's a ruler who's going to come from Bethlehem who will shepherd God's people. We, we heard about that through the, through the video of the shepherds there. Now, now we hear this. And I don't know about you, but uh, if we were to take the whole Christian Jesus thing out of it, when we hear shepherd, we don't automatically think king. But for the Jewish people of the time who are hearing this, and they're under Roman rule, their greatest king, as we heard about earlier, historically started as a shepherd. They, They knew this prophecy and what they were expecting was this military king was going was to come, he was going to arrive in grandeur, that he was going to free them from the Roman oppression. He was going to make all things new. He was going to change the state of the world. He was going to restore the political kingdom to Israel and give their people and, the, and their nation the future that they believed God had for them. And so that was their expectation. However, reality was a little bit different. Jesus was not born in a palace surrounded by subjects. He's born in a stable surrounded by animals. His first visitors are not the elite, the powerful, or the influential. Instead, they're a group of outcast shepherds, wanderers, who who came from the backside of a cold desert, a cold mountain, sorry. Jesus receives these astounding gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, yet they don't come from his own people. Instead, they come from a a, a group of non-Jewish mystics. Instead of being celebrated by those in power, Jesus is actually hunted down and has to flee to neighboring Egypt. Have you ever had a gap between expectation and reality? It can often happen, especially around Christmas time. In fact, here's some images that I found that will just help us with this. This is expectation versus reality. Who's ever, who's ever felt this before? This is what you want the Instagram photo to look like. What about this with children? Yes. What about this one? Expectation. Yes, great. 
What about this one? I don't know what a cat's doing at Christmas, but anyway, dog, maybe no cats. All right. Expectation, reality. Who's great at rapping? Yes. Expectation, ah, oh, reality. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Expectation, reality. Not anymore, though. They'd be, um, they'd be paper bags, not plastic bags. All right. Uh, carolers, Mormon. Okay, let's move on quickly. Oh, expectation, reality. He knows that sometimes reality doesn't line up with expectation. And this theme of Jesus being an unusual king, it doesn't actually end at the time of his birth. Think about these things. He's born, there's angelic visitations we sang about, and there's wise men visiting, there's, there's Herod who wants to kill him. Uh, and then he's presented at the temple, as is the Jewish custom. Again, prophecy, uh, amazing things are going to happen. He's found at 12 years of age uh, in the temple with all the leaders who are wondering and marveling at this boy's understanding and answers. And then nothing, nothing. Do you know that? We don't talk about that that often, but, or I talk about it a lot. So if you come to this church, you're like, yeah, we know. But it, nothing from age 12 to 30. Nothing from the Son of God living as flesh on the earth. Like, back then if they had that, do you remember that show like Child Stars, Where Are They Now? Like, geez, somewhere between that age of 12 and 30, Jesus would have been on that. You know, the voiceover would be something like that. You know, he started with angelic visitations. He, he, he confused all the religious leaders at 12. But where is he now? Bum, bum, bum. You know, grainy photo taken by the paparazzi of Jesus at 28, still living with his parents. Like, where, you know, we're unshaven. Like, where, where is he now? He would have been in that. But why? Because he's an unusual king. Not only that, this theme continues throughout his ministry. Remember, like I said, the Jewish people were expecting Jesus to come and free them, to restore political um, Israel. But Jesus says things like this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. He says, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. We, we, we know that as a nice, you know, go beyond extra mile at work. You know, we might even give an award in our workplace, the extra mile award. But actually where it comes from is that a Roman centurion could demand someone under, uh, under their oppression could carry their armor for them for one mile. That's what they're allowed to demand. And Jesus says, not only do, I, do you do that, but you should offer to go an extra mile. Then right when he's about to be taken away, one of his disciples, Peter, gets all fired up, pulls out a sword, ready to defend him, cuts off someone's ear. Jesus, Jesus tells me, no, 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 Peter, not that way. I've got to go and do the will of my father. You see, he's an unusual king. What about today, Christmas Eve, 2023? You might be thinking, well, if Jesus was really king or savior of the world or son of God or whatever, then why, you know, why is the world in the state that it's in? What about war? What about poverty? What about racism? What about violence? You know, maybe you might think, well, if Jesus really is king, why is my family separated? Shouldn't we be together celebrating what, what, what's going on? I thought it was going to turn out like this, but it's actually turned out completely different. Maybe you're thinking, why, if Jesus is king, why, why the more successful I seem to be at work and at life and on the outside, the less fulfilled I feel on the inside? If Jesus is really king, then why am I going through this? Why am I dealing with these feelings of inadequacy and, and doubt and anxiety? You see, sometimes we bring this expectation that Jesus is the king that fixes all our problems. 
that he'll make life easy and smooth and fun for me, that everything will go my way. I'll always get everything on my Christmas list. Maybe we have this expectation that if Jesus really is king, then why isn't my life perfect? Why isn't everything working out for me? Yet, Jesus said these things to his followers and to us like this, Matthew 16, 24 to 25. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but, who, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There's, there's, a, there's, there's a tension here. Sometimes we want Jesus to be instant king or you know, Uber Eats Jesus. Just deliver me everything I want right now without me having to get off the lounge or do anything possible. We want Jesus to be that type of king, but he's not. John 16, Jesus said this, I've said these things to you, he's speaking to his disciples and therefore to us today. Uh, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I've overcome the world. Not, not only that, but the apostle James, he's writing to followers of Jesus spread throughout the world. James says this in James 1, verse 1 to 3. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 uh, tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. James is just brutal. He's like, hey, guys, it's James here. Greetings, by the way. <laughs> you know, I warmed you up with a nice Christmas story, showed you some photos and stuff before I said, by the way. But James is just like, boom, straight in there. By the way, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trials. But you know that the testing of that produces steadfastness. But remember, Jesus, he's an unusual king. He's an unusual king. And as we think about coming to a close and I, finally used the prop uh, on stage that got brought out a long time ago. Uh, I want to tell you, this is, this is the most unusual thing about Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to cycle back to his birth, uh, Matthew 1, 28 to 23. Talking about Mary, it says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, Jesus, the most high king, God almighty, in flesh, he, he came down to us. You see, every other major religion says that your job is to work your way to God. You know, if you succeed enough, uh, if you're a good enough person, if you do all the right things, if you follow work, health, and safety and have someone stepping on the ladder for you while you're climbing up it, you know, if you do all these right things, hey, uh, if, then maybe you might make it to God. Maybe if you empty yourself of all desire and just enter nirvana, then you'll, then, you'll be, then you'll be there by God. Maybe if you're good enough, maybe if you give enough to charity, maybe if you do all these things, then you, will make it to, then you will make it to God. You will make it to peace. You will make it to whatever. But what does Christmas teach us? It teaches us the opposite, that he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. So what did he do? Jesus didn't expect us to climb a ladder to get to him. No, he stepped down. 
He came down. He came down to shepherds in a field that were outcasts. He came down to successful, influential people like, like the wise men, like, like the Magi. He came down to Mary, who was from, from nowhere, really, from the backside of nowhere, and said, you are highly favored. What did Jesus do? Jesus came down. That is why Christmas is so different. That is why the story of the gospel and Christ is so different than anything in this world because everything else is you must work your way there. But Jesus said, I have come down. That love would come down and be and dwell amongst us. He's Emmanuel. He is God with us. This world says succeed more, earn more, buy a house closer to the ocean. Maybe you'll get there. Be nicer. Have more progressive morals. Discover your true authentic self and don't let anyone deny you of that and then you might make it there. But that's not what God says. All of this striving, into all of this striving and into the world, God says, here's a gift. It's my son coming down. Uh, The late great pastor and theologian Tim Keller says this, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That's the story of Christmas. That's the story of Christmas. We messed up. We need God. But he didn't just leave us where we are. He came down. He came down. I I, I want to finish with with this scripture from Philippians 2, and uh, often we give this scripture at, uh, at Easter time, but I want to give you this, this scripture at Christmas time because it embodies everything about who Jesus is. It says this, Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, remember he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." This morning as the band comes and joins me as we're about to wrap up, I want to encourage you that at this Christmas time, yes, eat great food. Yes, uh, have presents, be, be generous, have a great family time. Maybe, maybe here and for you, this Christmas time is tough. Maybe there's a loss of a loved one. Maybe there's separation and, and estrangement uh, in your family. I, I, I want to tell you that Jesus came down. Jesus came down. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so whatever situation we find ourselves in this Christmas, let's allow God, let's allow Christ to come in because that's why he came down. He came down so that we could have relationship with him. It's not just a nice story of a, of a humble baby and, you know, a manger and it's quite creative and, you know, it's, People coming here, coming, coming here, there's gifts, there's, you know, it, it all works. No, no, it's the greatest story of human history that God would come down in the likeness of flesh, like you and me, that He would dwell among us, that He would come to 
some miraculous angelic visitations. And then nothing for 18 years. And then he'd come back, baptized by John the Baptist, filled with the Spirit of God and shake the earth for three years to leave a legacy, to leave a legacy of salvation, to leave a legacy of hope, to leave a legacy that invites all of mankind into relationship with God. And so this morning, what we're gonna do is I'd love to invite you to stand. We're gonna respond by singing this song, singing this carol. It's a great, it's a great carol. Then I'm gonna come back and we're gonna pray for some people believing that people are going to invite Jesus into their heart maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time. So team's going to lead us. Why don't we sing this with all our hearts?